Well, are you ready? Are you ready for Ali Martin from Soul Survivor UK? Would you like to say hello, Ali? That is one of the worst English accents I've ever heard. <laughs> okay, then. Well, then let's do some Australian. Oh, okay. All, All right, then. Yeah. Let's do... How's it going, mate? How's it going, mate? What do you think of that? No, be nice. <laughs> Encourage me. Be nice. Hey. Okay, my turn. You give me one. Um, uh, can you show me the way to the toilet, please? I'd like to go to the loo. <laughs> How's that? How's that? <laughs> yes, I'll give you that. Apparently, one of the things that apparently I say really weird for my my Australian husband says that this is a word that I say weird, and that's book. Book. I'd like to buy your book. <laughs> book. How do you, you, you I just, say it? I say book. How do you say it? Book. And how do we say it? <laughs> like chook. Rhymes with chook. <laughs> no, not chook. That's like chuck. <laughs> anyway. All right, well, before we go any further. Yes. For those who are visiting us tonight, Ali is from Soul Survivor from the UK. She um, brought us the first uh, message of four last night. How good was last night. Thank you. And uh, we are looking forward to tonight. So have you got your Bibles? Have you got your notepads and pens and note-taking devices? <laughs> and uh, how about I pray with Alan? We prepare our hearts. Thank you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this theme. And we thank you for your servant, Ali. Lord, come and bless Ali. And we open our hearts, God, to you. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, we're looking at this whole theme of what it means, what it looks like to live a spirit-led life. And uh, as I said yesterday, we're just going to be, each of us, giving you like one insight, something that we've seen in God's Word, something that He's doing in our life that we want to share with you. We're not going to cover everything of what it means to live a spirit-led life, but these different aspects. And the thing we talked about last night was living a spirit-led life is living a life of power, but it is not our power, but His power I can, you can, not because we can, but because, thank you for the seven of you that were listening. <laughs> and um, and that actually, our weakness and the things that we face in our life that we can't do, um, that we don't have the power to do, that we don't have the power in ourselves to bring our friends to Jesus and to heal the sick and to change issues in our life uh, and to be changed to be more like Jesus um, and to live out his purpose in in his purposes in our life. We don't have the power for those things, but he does. And that's what it means to live a spirit-led life. Well, I want to talk about another aspect of the spirit-led life tonight. One of the things that the spirit loves to do is he loves to lead us into truth. I mentioned this verse last night, but uh, it says in John 16, 13 in the message, but when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. And that's what he loves to do. He's all about truth. But within that, there's one truth in particular that he just loves to make come alive in our hearts. And it says in Romans 8, 14 to 15, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. And by him, so through the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit-led life is one where he enables us to know that God is our Father, our good, good Father. 
And you say, yes, I know that. <laughs> I've already been told that and I sing that song and I know it, but actually we don't. We think we do, but we don't. There was um, a radio show in England and it's been doing this little clip, has been doing the rounds on social media and YouTube for a little while now. And I wanted to play it to you, but talking about accents as we did earlier, I couldn't show it to you. I couldn't play it to you, sorry, because it would have made no sense to you because the accents were very, very strong. And so instead, if you'll bear with me, I want to summarize what was going on in this radio clip that has sort of taken the UK a little bit by storm on a small scale. Basically, what this was, it was a radio competition, you know, the ones where you call in and you answer a series of questions and you win the prize, whatever the prize is. And this woman had rung in and she'd been answering the questions and it came to the final question. And the final question that the radio DJ put to this woman was, what was, Sir, uh, I'm sorry, Sir Walter Raleigh was famous for introducing tobacco into England. What else was he famous for introducing? Now, that is something that pretty much every English person would know the answer to. And the answer is potatoes. That's what he's credited with introducing to England, although apparently the Spanish had something to do with it first. But anyway, um, so this was the answer. But they put the question to this woman, what was he also famous for introducing? And she just goes, I don't know. And he's like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, I don't know. I don't know the answer. And the radio DJ obviously feels sorry for her. And so he wants to help her out. And so he breaks it down. And he says to her, okay, first part of the answer, what do you call it? She said, well, like when your husband has a bit of a round tummy. And in England, we call that a pot belly. So she said, pot. And uh, he said, yes, yes, that's it. Right. Next part of the answer What's one more than seven, one less than eight? That's uh, nine, sorry. And, uh, and she says eight. And then he says, what's at the end of your legs? And she says, my slippers. And he says, no, 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 no. What's underneath your slippers? And she says, toes. And he says, right, put those three things together. And so she says, pot, eight, toes. And he says, right, that's your answer. What did Sir Walter Raleigh introduce to England? And she went, I don't know. He said, but you've just said it. And so he went through those three questions again, and she got it again, pot, eight, toes. And he said, right, now put that, those three, three things together, pot, eight, toes. Say it faster, potty toes, she's going. And he's like, no. And we're all listening to it going, no. And every time he asked her the question, she just kept going, I don't know. And she was so convinced that she wouldn't know the answer, that she couldn't see it, even though it was right under her nose. And for us... We're so convinced that we already know the answer that we can't see that when it comes to knowing and understanding God as a good father, we can't see that it's, we're living in that same equivalent of potatoes. Good, good father. Robotic. We know the answer. We can tell the answer to anyone who would ask us, you know, is, how would you describe God? You know, and we, one of the things we might say is he's a father. Is he a good father? Yes, he's a good father. We know the answer, but we're not living in the truth of that. And that's one thing that the Holy Spirit wants to help us do. So that when we say our father in heaven, or when we sing he's a good, good father, when we, um, when we hear the words he's a good father, I think we love it, but we don't live it. We enjoy the truth of it. There's something about it that is really tantalizing, but we don't live in it. And if we want to know what it looks like to live in the love of the Father, the best place to look is looking at the life of Jesus. Because he lived this life full of joy, purpose, fulfillment, intimacy with the Father. 
And so if we look at him, we see the result of what happens when you really do get this. And one of the things that uh, Jesus came, he came to show us the Father. That's one of the reasons why he came. It says in John, let me find it, in John 14, 9, Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Jesus came to put a face to grace. Because he knew, God knew, that we are prone to not get this. We are prone to not understanding, to not getting, to not living in the truth that he is our good father. And what happens is that we read the Bible, and as we read it, it, his love, his kindness, his tenderness gets lost in translation. It's always there, but we miss it. I don't know if you've ever had one of these tricky moments with predictive texts. Um, I was texting a friend of mine once who, um, I don't know how to say it politely, but he's on the larger side, and uh, he wasn't very well. And I went to text him to say, so sorry, you're poorly. But what I actually wrote was, so sissy, you're porky. (laughs) So that wasn't quite what I intended to say. I had another friend, and uh, she was texting a friend of hers who was going through a really tough time. Uh, This friend of hers was single and was, at this point, was really struggling with it. And so my friend wanted to write, dear friend, you're lovely, and wrote, dead friend, you're lonely. (laughs) Awkward. Another time where we experience this lost in translation thing is on the whole international thing. So we've already established that, you know, us Brits, you Aussies talk a little bit different, but there's also certain words that you have for certain things and we have different words. So, for example, on the end of my foot tonight is a... Okay, in England, we call them flip-flops. A thong is a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny bit of underwear. And um, so when my Australian husband met my mum, his future mother-in-law, there was a wasp flying around her kitchen. And so he said, hey, Eve, chuck us your thong. (laughs) Now, that's awkward. Things get lost in translation. And the love of the Father, the tenderness of the Father, the fact that he's a good, good Father, we have always, um, we've lost it. We, we read the Bible and we don't hear that. We don't see that. The enemy, you know we have an enemy called the devil, and his aim in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he doesn't want us to live in the love of the Father. He wants to steal that truth. He wants to kill that truth. Uh, he wants to destroy that truth. And so this is what happens when we're reading the Bible. We don't get it. And so Jesus came once and for all to put a face to grace and to say, this is what God is like. And um, what happens when we're reading our Bible and we're reading this, we, we miss it, as I've already said. You know, when you're watching a movie, you see the scenes in front of you. But a lot of the way that you feel about what is happening, whether you feel absolutely petrified or whether you're feeling like, well, this is a lovely moment, that's down to the soundtrack. And what happens is we're reading the Bible and we're reading about this God of love, but the soundtrack is like, dun, 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 dun. You know, there's this menacing soundtrack. And the Holy Spirit can and will change that as we look at Jesus, when we read about the life of Jesus, remember, he's the face to grace. He's come so that we get it. He says, I am the Father of one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You look at me, you understand what it is to look at the Father. And so look at Jesus. 
Look at the way that he interacted uh, with women. With women, the woman who was bleeding, the woman uh, who was caught in adultery, the woman at the well. Look at the way he dealt with the sick around him. Look at the way he dealt with Zacchaeus. Look at the way he dealt with blind Bartimaeus. Look at the cross. Look at him and know that you're looking at the Father and he's good and he's kind. That's one of the reasons why Jesus came is so that we would begin to understand. Now, one thing I want to do with you quickly is I want to take a little piece of scripture and I could have chosen loads of things that Jesus said. I chose this one because this is one of the ways that God spoke to me about this whole stuff of him being a good father and this whole thing about changing the soundtrack. And the passage that I was reading one day, it's in Luke 12 and it's quite a famous passage. I'm going to give you the specific verses in a minute. You're very good here, aren't you? You're all like, she said Luke 12, quick, get there. I'm going to get there, but sorry, that was a Miranda moment. Has Miranda made it out here? I am, I am more commonly uh, compared to Miranda than any other person, and I'm still not sure how I feel about that, even though I, I like her. Anyway, so Luke 12 is a common uh, passage, a well-known passage about worry. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I've read it quite a few times in my life, and I've always felt a bit guilty. Whenever I've read it, I've heard the Darth Vader theme tune, as it were, because I'm like, oh, pants, but I do worry. I do. Oh, you probably don't say pants here, because pants are trousers. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, But I, I say pants. But anyway, so I read it, and I think, but I do worry. And I'm so sorry, God, that I worry, and I feel guilty, and I feel condemned. And I'm reading this passage one day as I'm sitting with Jesus, and I'm reading it, and I'm feeling that guilt again. I'm feeling his crossness. Don't worry. I've told you before, Ali Martin, stop worrying. Get your life together. This is the soundtrack that I'm hearing. And then I came across this, Luke 12, 29 to 32. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm hearing the cross voice. Then I read this. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. And here Jesus is saying, when I tell you not to worry, it's not out of crossness. It's not like I'm not telling you off. I want to point you to a much bigger truth. And I want to get to the bottom of a much bigger fear than what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, all those things. And this deep fear is that he's not pleased. This deep fear is that he's not good. This deep fear is that we're not his. And he says, don't be frightened, little flock. Don't give in to the fear. Your father, your father. And he could have said at this point, my father. But he's saying, by the way, he's yours too. He says that in other places too. Your father has been pleased, not reluctant, not angry, not standoffish. He's pleased to give you everything. He's been pleased to give you the kingdom. What's the kingdom? It's it's everything that is under the reign of the king. And our king is the king of kings. And he's pleased to give you everything. The kingdom, the whole kingdom is yours. And he's pleased about that. This is just one passage. And like I said, there's loads I could have read to you and shared with you. But what I want us to understand is we miss it. Do you miss the tenderness? Do you miss the fact that he's good? And instead, do you just hear the crossness? Do you just hear the telling off? Jesus came to show us the Father. 
But he didn't just come to show us the Father. He came to show us what it is like to live in the love of the Father. Jesus did that perfectly. And uh, we see that um, when Jesus was, before he went into any of his ministry, so before he preached the word, before he uh, prayed for anyone that was sick, before any of that, we see the amazing story of his baptism. And at his baptism, uh, we see the Holy Spirit descending on him and the voice of the Father speaking, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit uh, enabled him to hear what was already true. I mean, it was always true that God was pleased with his son, always. And yet here as the Holy Spirit descends, this truth is just proclaimed. And then Jesus lives in it. He'd always lived in it, but we get to see it played out. And like I said, we get to see this life of fulfillment, of joy, of peace, of intimacy, And I wonder what would it look like for you if you really knew that he loved you? What would it look like? What kind of life would you live if you knew that you didn't have to earn his love and that he wasn't ever going to take it away? What would your worship look like? What would your giving look like? What What kind of freedom would there be for you if, like Jesus, you could live a life where you knew it was a done deal? You're loved. That's because that is the truth. You are loved. And you can live in that just as Jesus did. He came to show us the Father. He came to show us what it looks like to live in the love of the Father. But what is amazing is we could just look at it and go, wow, gosh, that's amazing. Jesus lived this perfect life of of surrender and of power. And we could just look at it and go, wow, that's amazing that you can live that kind of life when you get the love of the Father. But if that's all we're doing, it's not good enough. If we're just going, hey, that looks good, it's a bit like you're walking down the street and and you see, uh, you know, these restaurants with big glass windows. And as you go to walk past, you see your favorite people, whoever that might be, your favorite people are sat around a table eating the most amazing meal. Whatever is your favorite food, they are sat around there eating. It doesn't do you any good. If we just look at Jesus and go, oh man, this perfect life lived in relationship with the Father, it doesn't do us that much good, except that Jesus said, now you come and live it too. This is for you. You get in on this. He's not just saying, I'm the son who's loved. He's saying, we. And so he he says, our father. He says, your father. He basically says, come into the restaurant. Sit down. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the fellowship. It's not just for us. It's for you come on in. We're invited into that. That 1 John 3 verse 1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. He loves us. He loves us. And every time I say that, some of you, you just can't help but go, yeah, I've heard it before. You know, like that way when someone begins to tell you a story and they forget that they've already told you that story. And in that moment, you've got to make a decision about how to arrange your face. It's like, (laughs) do I step in now? And because I'm British, we don't step in. We're we're polite until it kills us. We would rather die than tell someone I've heard that story before. And I had this funny situation with a friend of mine last year where he said to me, Ali, I think there's something wrong with me. And I said, why? And he said, I keep uh, forgetting what I've said to people. And I keep telling them the same thing over and over again. And I said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just really tired. Anyway, the next day I saw him and he said, Ali, I think there's something wrong with me. (laughs) 
And at that point, I agreed with him. But you know what it's like when someone's told you that story? You, you think, I already know this. Or when someone's told you a joke and you think, I already know the punchline. And it's like that every time I say that he loves you, you think, but I already know the punchline. But it's not meant to be the punchline. It's meant to be the bottom line. The bottom line, the foundation of what we live, the truth that we live on, that we stand firm on, is that I am loved. You are loved by a good, good father. He's compassionate. He's kind. He's tender. He's for you. Nothing you could do will ever make him love you any more. Nothing you could do could make him love you any less. But we all struggle to believe this. It's just that, that lie that he's not good. As I said, it's the enemy often. He's telling us he's not good. And, you know, sometimes we receive that lie because we've had terrible earthly fathers. And we've looked at our terrible earthly fathers. And we have um, looked at him and, and applied that to God. But, you know, loads of us haven't had terrible earthly fathers. Lots of us have. And I... And if you have, I really believe that there's a wound that the Lord would want to heal. Of course he would, because he loves you and he wants to say, I'm not like that. But for, for many, it's not that we've had bad. I've got a great earthly dad. He's still alive. He's a good dad. Um, but he's quite laid back. And part of that laid backness means that sometimes I um, perceived him as being passive. And so then, and you know, you know there's those dads that would be like, you're not coming anywhere near my daughter. Before you date her, I'd like to see your CV. Before you date her, I'd like to sit down and interview you for 17 hours. My dad would have been like, hey, come on in. Yes, yeah, see, you have a great time. Which, you know, is lovely. But I, I put that on God and I, I drew this conclusion that God was passive in his thoughts and his feelings towards me. That he was a bit like, oh, Ali, what? okay, yeah, cool, whatever. That's how, I, that's how for years I've seen God's just being like a bit unaware, a bit not uncaring, I suppose. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and he was telling me that his mum uh, was the one that always did the school drop-offs and school pickups when he was growing up. But one day she had to be somewhere else. So, her, so his dad was in charge, but his dad wasn't used to the same routine and it came to school pickup time and he didn't turn up. He was just lost in thought somewhere else. And so my friend Isaac just stood at the school gate and waited and waited and waited until eventually his dad had that, ah, oh, I'm meant to be somewhere and, and ran to get him. But in those 15 minutes that Isaac waited, a little lie creeped in that said, you're going to be forgotten. And that's how he's always felt about God the Father, that God's going to forget him. But God has begun to heal my wounds even though my dad is a good dad, God has begun to heal Isaac's wounds, even though that was just a moment. And he can do the same for each one of us. He's perfect. Our earthly dads are not. And the Spirit wants to show us. He wants to take us from this place where we're like good, good father, like little robots, where it's just all up here, like put eight O's. You know, it's all up here. He wants to take that truth and let it explode in our hearts, let it come alive in our hearts, that we live out of the truth that he is good and that he is for us. And it's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That he will uh, move it from this place of head knowledge into heart truth. That everything that we do comes out of this place of really knowing he's good. He's for you. He loves you. 
he's good. He's for you. He loves you. He cares. He's kind. He's tender. He's a good father. And it is by the Spirit that we can cry, Abba, Father. It's not something that we can make ourselves believe just by like clenching everything in us. We can't make ourselves believe it. The Holy Spirit makes that truth alive in our hearts. Right, why don't we stand? And what we're going to do now, what we've been doing um, in all kinds of ways, but what we want to always make space for in our meetings is just to allow the Holy Spirit to move, uh, to meet with us, to rest on us. We want to invite him to do whatever he wants to do. And I imagine that one of the things he's going to want to do tonight is he wants to make this truth alive in our hearts in a new way. That's what I imagine. But just, just to make sure that he really does have the room, that he really is in charge, we're going to wait. And so, Holy Spirit, we just pray, would you come now? Would you come now? Lord, I have done what I can to put this truth out in front of us, but it's only you that can take that truth right into the core of our being and, and let it be something that we live, let it be something that we breathe. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Even tonight, would you take us by the hand and lead us into truth? Lead us into the Father's love. We wait on you. Now, no striving in this place, no trying to make him do something, but be ready to receive. Be ready to receive. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your freedom come in this place. Keep looking to him. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us into truth. Some of you know that this is an area for you where your hearts are really hungry. Just say yes. Just say more, Lord. I want to know this. I want to know this truth. And in your presence tonight, God, we, uh, we break the power of the lies of the enemy of the feelings of abandonment. In Jesus' name, 
we break the lies that live over us that say, not you, this is not for you, this feast is not for you. We break that in Jesus' name. And if that's something that you just, um, the, the, the enemy is whispering to you, this is for everyone else, but it can't be for you because you just tell him to be quiet in Jesus' name in your heart. Spirit, we pray, increase your presence here, increase your freedom. And as I said, this is an area that I think every single one of us struggles to believe at different points and to different degrees at different times. But if you know that this is an area for you where you've never really known in your knower, in the core of your being, that you're loved, that you're accepted, I just want to invite you just to come to the front, do that brave thing that we've been doing here in this safe place. Just come now. We want to ask specifically that the Holy Spirit would meet with you, that he would do that thing of enabling you to know this. If that's you, if this has been one of those areas that you just, you don't live in that truth, but you want to, just come forward now. Amen. On the other side of this truth is joy. On the other side of this truth is freedom, is intimacy, it's risks. It's, you know, you call me out upon the water. We only do that stuff when we know that he's for us. We only step out when we know he's for us. Just come, if you know that's you. If others would just be willing to come and pray. That's right. We've been doing this stuff as the, already these last few days. Just come and stand with someone that's come forward. Come, Holy Spirit. Remember, we're not going to ask them questions. We just want to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring this truth alive in their hearts. And actually, Ali, would you be wherever you are, ready just to come up. Wherever you are. More Lord. Come, Jesus. We're going to pray for these guys. Ask the Holy Spirit to do what we know the Holy Spirit already wants to do because it's what He loves to do. And in a minute, just the rest of us are just going to begin to gently worship. As I've said before, and I'll probably say again, this is not now about those guys and girls that have come forward. Um, this is not why we do this. This is just as much. God is still in the whole of this room speaking to you. It might be about something completely different, but I can see that he's meeting with people. And so just enjoy that. Enjoy that he's here. 
And as we just begin to worship, um, we'll just, we're going to have our ears open and see if there's anything else that he wants to do. But let's just, um, as we pray that this truth would take root in, in our brothers' and sisters' lives, let's begin to worship our good Father. <laughs>